Hi, and welcome to the UX Energy Podcast. We're really glad you're able to join us. We're also joined by Emma Corbett, who's been wearing many hats the past couple of years, from student, UX designer, female founder, and CEO of Insurin, her startup. It's a really inspiring story. Let's hear it now. today um so yeah uh let's let's talk about you emma uh so you've uh started your career uh has kind of got quite a few sort of achievements under your belt so ux designer female founder ceo uh anything else in there you know it's quite a big list no i think that's everything you've covered it <laughs> well, in, ter- in terms of like priority like when you introduce yourselves at like dinner parties or whatever it's like are you a CEO first? Are you a female founder? Uh, like, what, how do you kind of introduce yourself? Because you, you're juggling a lot of balls. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd kind of go quite low-key. I'm a UX designer. And then if the conversation flows, I'll go into all the business stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't like to walk up to someone and be like, I'm a CEO. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely, like, just throughout this chat, we'll cover each area, each job title that you have, each hat that you wear. Um but yeah, like what what does a typical day look like for Emma? Uh, what's keeping you busy? Yeah, so I work for a company called Perforce, um, originally Puppet, um, and then I got acquired. And I would work there basically nine to five. And then in my evenings, I would work on insurance, um, which I would be the CEO of, a female founder of. Um, and then I also I have a couple of like other wee things like I do a wedding stationery business and, and stuff like that on the side that um, I have taken away as well. So I can't sit still. I have plenty of stuff to keep me busy. So yeah, I'm never off my laptop. So <laughs> no, awesome. I, I I think the one of the best things around sort of my own experience in tech is like if you can do something that you love and get paid for it, then you're on to a winner. Um, yeah, awesome. So how, how did you get started? getting into the sort of the creative space like what was your kind of early starting steps that you had emma yeah oh well if we go way back i've just always been like interested in design and um art and i actually didn't study art in school um so when i left school i went and studied at belfast met um for a year and I actually studied fashion and textiles, um, okay. not really up my street at all. Um, but it was through doing the fashion illustrations on the computer. Um, I realized that that was something I really enjoyed. And then I had a couple of conversations with people and they kept pointing me towards the interaction design course at Austin University. Um, wow. And yeah, that's what led me into the UX space and allowed me to, yeah, unleash all of the creativity there. Yeah, uh, it's it's amazing how like there's so much crossover. Like I know architects that are like wanting to get into this and other job industries as well. Um, oh, awesome! And so, congrats by the way on getting your first uh, you get first class honors from uh, Ulster University. Um, how was that? Like I, I like one of the sort of big conversations at the moment, Emma, is definitely around what's more important: design education or design experience and and people are really struggling, you know, with like boot camps and stuff or like doing these sort of online courses. They're finding it really hard to get jobs. So what's been your experience of that? Because you did a placement, right? 
when you you know you went to pop it right so what what's been your experience of education versus experience what's been more valuable let the debate get begin yeah oh that's a good question i think they definitely go hand in hand um once you get that little bit of education then you're able to go and, and learn more from experience and um, like what's that saying like yeah it's better it's better to do something um rather than sit and learn about it I, I'd be more up to experience street definitely um and then not only just working and doing OGEX work but then like the feedback and stuff for example that I got in my placement year was extremely helpful um and when you do designs like it's the feedback that is the best part of the experience um yeah rather than just doing doing you, you need to the, the critiquing part is extremely helpful as well yeah it's tricky isn't it because like in some ways some co- some companies will be like you know you need to have a degree but i'm seeing that less and less mm-hmm. you know people are going to hire you on based on experience um yeah it's tricky i when i did my placement i i generally think that that nine twelve months of my life should have technically saved me three years of university it like and it's tricky you know it's like i enjoyed getting paid I learned real world skills that university will never teach because it's an education, you know, academic institution. But yeah, it's it's tricky. So what what's the solution? I mean, like if you if you were like heading up Ulster University and you were like, right, let's keep the education going, but how can we like, you know, do we just make it all about like part time learning, part time working? Like, what what's the solution if you're going to re- rebuild your degree? Yeah, well, my degree was very good in the sense that our lecturers always would have pushed us to do things outside of the course. So, for example, I did something called Co-Founders by Catalyst, which is how I got in the whole business world, and that was extremely helpful. But whether it even be doing freelance work whilst you're studying, like they do completely go hand in hand, and you sort of do need to take the initiative, especially if you want to build up your portfolio to be able to show companies the work that you can do. You need to take your own initiative when you need to do that, and it, it completely pays off. 100% 100% look at you now and we'll, we'll cover some of your kind of achievements so far and you're only just getting started right um so this is this is great so what what you're saying is then um push yourself in any sort of scenario whether you're doing an apprenticeship internship or at university how many like what was the percent of like your year that actually did placements versus just people who just kind of just enjoyed the summer uh, like how many did what you did yeah so my university course was four years long yeah. and our third year was a placement year. Um, so like, you know, the way university, taught, uh, like university years normally like September to, I don't know, like May. Like May, May time, yeah, yeah. It was a full year placement. So you got that right. full year's experience, which is extremely good. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, but how many students in your year though, like if there's like 50 of you, how many of them actually did a placement? Because it was an optional thing, right? How many How many actually chose that versus just doing a shorter course and whatever? Yeah, so it was an optional thing, but the thing was COVID hit. So there wasn't many. Oh, companies. gosh. Yeah, there wasn't many companies looking for placement students because of obviously like money and, and things like that. Yeah. Like the like job positions opening was really cut short. I think probably, I think maybe two people in our course jumped straight the final year. But then a good load of people actually maybe didn't get a placement just because of COVID. Yeah. Still maybe took that year out to do freelance work or, or do something else. Oh, that's fair enough. Um, I remember because I, I did like more sort of web design 
um, and then specialized more in UX. But at, at Napier in Edinburgh, um, I would say 20% or less, even like sort of maybe 10% actually did a placement. And, the, and this was no excuses, right? You know, this was, you know, this was like 15, 19K jobs going available, great, great work opportunities. And literally 12 out of like 100, 200 people actually like wanted to do this. And you're thinking, why do you do a degree if not to get a job? So yeah, it's, it's an interesting debate. I always enjoy asking grads that experience because I, I think a lot of them do find that, you know, like working at like Puppet, you know, if, if anyone knows Rick Monroe in the Belfast community, you know, like you've got really good mentors and like good leaders in, in the work environment as well as your tutors and stuff that can really benefit you, right? So um, yeah, I always enjoy asking that question, Emma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Rick Rick Monroe was definitely a great mentor. And um, while I was up, but the whole team where there, there's John yeah. Murray, who's Belfast based as well. I learned so much that year; it was great. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess it kind of gives you like a even if you did a shorter time, like it would still give you a real taste for like what's it like in the real world, um, rather than just you know the, the textbook version. But yeah, awesome. Um, <clears throat> and so. You, you've done a bit of then freelance stuff on the side, I'm guessing. I know you said what, like wedding stationery business, but like from like just design in terms of like web stuff or freelance, like what, what sort of projects kind of have you kind of kept going throughout your uni and stuff? What's been keeping you busy? Yeah, so like I always would have, um, yeah, it's really daunting when you're in university and like you get your first freelance project because, yeah, you, you don't really know what you're doing. It's actually kind of faking it till you, till you make it. Um yeah. and yeah, I did I did I did a website, it was for like um a life coach and that was free cool. a program called NetMinds and it was voluntarily once again it was COVID. Um they were looking for volunteers to help out businesses for free and then you can get experience and things like that. So um yeah, that that was great fun. Um I'd say the main thing would obviously be the, the co founders program that I then went into and it's completely carried free obviously and until now and, and I'm still I'm still doing that. And of course, if there's any freelance projects on the side, I'd always take on board and sure. every couple of months to do a wee thing here and a wee thing there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So b- before we jump into the Catalyst world, which is awesome, and we definitely want to cover that, um, how have you been able to juggle everything, right? So you've done internship, university, potential freelance stuff, and you know other, other stuff like starting your own company. Like, how have you managed to maintain everything, stay motivated, and avoid burnout? That's that's a really key question I want to ask. How are you staying sane? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I think me just as a personality in general, like I just can't sit still. So like I constantly sure. need to be doing something. Um, like when it comes to like avoiding burnout and things like that, like don't get me wrong, there is times where like you do feel like a bit burnt out, and when yeah. I do that, I just I'm like, okay, it's time to shut my laptop down for the day, and I do something else that I enjoy, like whether that be watching TV or going out with like friends or whatever it is because you do get like yeah. that like completely normal um but you then you just need to yeah shut down and um come back to it a day later and you'll have a different perspective sure are there any other sort of like rituals and stuff that you'd have just to just like relax uh, like if it's full-on baths that's cool as well but like what what sort of ways do you kind of like I don't know, switch off. Like what like if you had like ten people who were saying, like, oh, we're so tired, we're exhausted, like what would you advise them to kind of relax, stay creative, but like not yeah, burn their brain out? <laughs> Ooh, um What do you recommend? 
that's a good question. Um, I don't. I, well, I would definitely say so. The wedding stationery business that I set up, um, yeah. that I wanted to do, I that was something that was just like more of like a creative outlet for me because yeah. therapy with, almost. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Um, and I knew it was something I'd really enjoy, and like when I want to stay creative, and like since it's a line, but like I would, like I would put on The Bachelor or something on TV, like we can, and I can just go and I can do my wedding invites, and it's really relaxed, it's really chill, and I'm still being able to be creative the way I want to. But there's no time restrictions; it's not really intense. You're just sort of doing nice. it like, well whenever you want to do it, and it's just a lot more relaxed. But yeah, nice. being super creative. <laughs> yeah and like everyone's totally different everyone's got their own things but um yeah it's great it's funny isn't it? it's like to get a break from the computer i'm gonna still remain creative um on my computer <laughs> but uh, yeah it's it's a mental shift yeah for sure um nice one okay so let's let's jump into like the big bit of topic then so um what is like how did you get started like firstly uh what's what's so important about a female founder like what's what's special about that and why is that a victory or like a big thing to celebrate within belfast within sort of the tech community how's that journey been for you yeah so like in general most business like owners are male there isn't many female ones when it comes to like getting funding and stuff like it is true more men are more likely to get it than than women and sure um yeah, I definitely think it's important that there are more women founders, of course, and that take on that responsibility and don't be intimidated by all those stats and, and statistics. And it is something that's growing, which is absolutely, um, yeah, great great to see. Um, what was the second part of your question? Yeah, it's just like, why, why is that good? I think you kind of mentioned that, you know, like <clears throat> it's 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 changing the, changing the, the landscape for sure. Um, awesome. So... Tell us how you got started then. Uh, you got encouraged to connect with Catalyst. What is Catalyst? What, how did you kind of get into that program? Yeah, so basically for your final year of university doing the interaction design course that I did, you need to come up with a final year project. And this project is something that you're going to work on all yeah. year long. So you need to make sure it's meaningful. You're going to have to make sure it's going to be something that you enjoy. Um, so... People come into our course from Catalyst, the co-founders program, and would maybe try and get you to apply. And um, basically what co-founders is, is you have a business idea, but your business idea is basically stuck in a box until you get the people that can help you make it become a reality. So for me, yeah. um, I'm a UX designer and I had all of those skills, but I didn't know how to code. I didn't know how to get an app in the app store. I didn't know how to do any of that. So I knew that yeah. that was find beneficial. Um, so yeah, then I applied and went through the application process, and yeah, I, I got I got a place and, and joined the program. Um, so yeah, it was all actually quite 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 smooth. And don't get me wrong, when I was applying, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but I was like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna go for it and um see see what happens. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So insurance, which is your your product, that that was kind of started just from googling you <laughs> that started from your own journey in diabetes and like you know as as a teen young teen that kind of sparked your own experience so what was that experience why why did you want to change that and so what is ensuring trying to do to kind of change kind of the whole uh i guess support system community 
for people with diabetes. Yeah. So what, what was the context for the, for the product? Yeah. So like I said, we had to work on something meaningful for a family yeah. project. And at that time, when we were trying to think about finding your ideas, I had two ideas. I was like, okay, I can do something diabetes related because I live with type one diabetes. So I wanted to maybe solve the problems I'm facing. And at that time I was having quite bad low blood sugar episodes. Right. Um, so that was something that was constantly on my mind. And then on the other hand, I was like, oh, well, I could do like, I was going to do a defibrillator app, but call it Defibucinor, and it locates the defibrillators in your, your local area. Um, but then my lecturer is like, hold in on something that's really meaningful to you, and what one of those two is meaningful to me, and obviously it would be something diabetes-related. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so what insurance is, is it's a mobile app to help newly diagnosed type 1 diabetics um, overcome a condition with confidence um, and without fear so the average age of diagnosis is 13 and of course that's extremely young and when you're diagnosed all you're given is leaflets um, yeah. and leaflets just full of text full of words it's not very interesting for a 13 year old look at no. so what we wanted to give um, the user was something that was more intuitive to them so for example like social media instagram stories snapchat stories tiktok and present the information in a much more fun way um one thing that we noticed when looking at competitors is that no one really focuses on the mental health. Um, at that time, yeah. um, I was really bothered by my low blood sugar episodes and I was getting really annoyed. But all the doctors really care about is, is your blood sugars within the range of four to eight? Yes, they are happy days and send you on your way. But they don't really care about anything else. So, um, mm. yeah, one thing that we found and the more we spoke to people, um, especially parents, they were extremely um, annoyed about all the mental health side of things. So we really wanted to include that in the app. Um, and yeah, introduce that. Um, there is a parental side of insurance, which will be coming out a bit later. Um, but this allows parents to see their children's logs and understand more about the condition as well, because they're left completely in the dark as well. Yeah. And like being diagnosed with any condition, must be really scary, you know, because as a parent, you want your kid to be healthy and happy and all that. And, you know, even as a kid, if you see your parents being worried and you're not, maybe not sure what's going on, you maybe don't feel great or whatever, you know, um, none of that is covered by doctors. And arguably you could say, well, they're just there to keep you alive. You know, do they care? You know, and so you're definitely plugging the gap with this. And so I, I think it's a really good story to share. So it, there's a there's a passion note that's really good and it kind of connects. So how are you, what is, you, you mentioned about, you know, sort of social media and stuff, but I also noticed on the app, um, I totally like stalked your entire Figma prototype. Really, really good. We'll come on that in a minute, but like you, you've, you've tried to engage with teens specifically who, you know, getting diagnosed young. What are, you know, you've got, things like gamification in there as long as you know as well as like social media stuff but like how are you how are you trying to use like gamification to try and like uh keep yeah keep up engagement like what what was us thinking behind the gamification part to the app yeah so gamification of course we didn't want to um give across the impression that living with this is a game or anything like that but we wanted to use it as a source of encouragement um and like well done like your blood sugar's worth in this range today like that's absolutely great keep it up and to provide those encouragements it's like an incentive um for young kids to want to keep being able to do that and stay on that right track um sure. 
Whereas some kids as well, you don't know what their background is. They might just have this app and they don't have any source of encouragement in living with the condition. So we want to be able to provide that as um provide that as well. Um so yeah, that that was um really in our first iteration of the app and it won't be in our MVP, but we'll want to definitely get that out there um in the future because it's a great way to really really keep them engaged and make them feel as encouraged as possible. Um so yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome, man. It sounds great. <clears throat> and so um, I mentioned the Figma prototype, but I just got this from your Medium article where you kind of gave that as a case study. So this was like August last year. So, it, you know, maybe a little out of date, but I really liked just how you're like involving things like the interactive Glucobot, um, which is kind of what I what I thought was good about that is that there's a, like a reassuring kind of, hey, I'm here to help go click here, you know, and it was, it was almost like, you know, handholding, um, which, which was quite nice. And, um, just some of the other sort of <clears throat> features that you had there in terms of just like helping you, you know, walk you through is this is handholding, which, which is, I think what a kind of really cool feature about the, the app or, you know, the prototype, um, what, what other sort of aspects are you proud of with the whole prototype and that, that case study, right? What, what are some of the sort of key things that you're like, that's mine. I designed that, you know? <laughs> What's your favorite bits? Yeah, um, well, like on that note of like Glicko, um, he he's absolutely he's absolutely great. He's our wee mascot. Um, but um, yeah, like parents and and kids, like some like hospital waiting times absolutely crazy. The NHS, all stuff was going on. Um, you're supposed to get like well, I know for like my age, what I am now, I think it's like once a year a, a diabetic review, and then maybe the younger you are, it's like two or three times a year. But like some people I spoke to maybe haven't had one in two years. Like it's crazy, like waiting time. So there's maybe some questions you don't really know what to ask. And, and Glucose is able to help you out with that. He's able to reassure you and make you feel okay. And that's where the whole name insuring comes from. Um, Like insuring that you're okay. And it links in with insulin, of course, as well. It's just to rechange yeah. the, the L and all. Um, but yeah, I'd say what I'm most proud of, that's a good... It's a good question. I think how the insights are powered um, and I'm so excited to see that come to life when the app is built. So yeah. basically depending on what the user logs, um, so what their blood sugar is, what activity took place, um, maybe if they had it that day, then it's able to spin off these insights and those insights would be like Instagram, Snapchat stories. But it's nice. all powered by what the user inputted, and it's like pattern data um, will be correlated. And I think that idea was a, was made it so much more personal to the user. It's not just a generic yeah. app; it's so unique to you, and it will gather up that over time and, and make it as unique as possible for your journey and living with the condition. Oh, I love that. It's really smart. Um, my fiance is uh, in her final year of medicine, and so I told her about the app, and she's like, "Oh, does it like integrate with freestyle?" Um, uh, is there plans to kind of integrate and have more sort of I don't know, glucose monitoring and kind of just, yeah, bring all this sort of smart data together? So that would be absolutely great. We would love to do that. Not at the moment. At the moment, yeah, sure. it's all manually inputted, but that would definitely be something we'd love to do online because the freestyle is too helpful. I wear one. It's absolutely great. Um yeah, yeah, so that would definitely be something we'd we'd love to we'd love to do. But licenses for it or extortionate. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. You just feel like, hey, I'm a film founder. I'm a student. I'm 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 owning this. Give me give me a free license. Yeah. Um, well, if you're listening, resell. <laughs> give Emma a shout. But um, when it comes to like making sure that you're you're on the right tracks, so obviously you've got your own 
I guess, self-referential experience. But how are you, how are you conducting research? How are you like testing? You, you mentioned that you've done a bit of maze testing. What's been sort of the different ways? What's worked? What's not worked? What's been some of the research that you've done so far? Yeah, one of the best things that we done is actually went out and to like um, type one diabetes events. So we were able to sit and just simply talk and be able to talk to them about what they struggle with. And um, that was definitely the most helpful. Um, it was really great, especially getting feedback from parents and um, being able to get feedback from them was great because it opened up. We originally didn't have the parental side of the app, but yeah. through going out and conducting that research, we it opened up a whole new avenue that we could go down. We were like, we have to do this, and um, because that's where people are really, really struggling. Um, so yeah, that was absolutely amazing being able to speak to them. Um, we also conducted user testing then on the app, not actually that long ago. Would have maybe been about five months ago now. Um, and that was when we got type one diabetics to use the app and just give us the feedback what they liked and what they didn't like. Um, nice. And and that was that was extremely helpful. Um, because like like you said, I live with type one diabetes, but my struggles and what I think about it and what I think what what I find really easy in dealing with it could be the complete opposite for someone else. So sure, I would say sure. it was definitely like a challenge at the start because I was doing it off my own opinion, and then the more I spoke to others, like it completely twisted the like the vision of the app. Um, Interesting. That everyone else. And there's there's humility there that I think a lot of founders are blindsided by they they've got such a good idea, and they don't realize that <laughs> they aren't going to get their own credit card out and buy a subscription. You know they need others to you know engage with it. So yeah, point points for you, Emma. Nice one. <laughs> um, so like, what's the what's the current progress? What's the roadmap? Um, where are you at with funding? Um, you've got a team. What's some of the more businessy stuff that you're juggling as well? How's that going? Yeah, so we're definitely, so we got, we then won co-founders and got um, a grant from them, which was amazing. Um, we won the Belfast Business Idea Award. Um, I got some funding there alongside um, Belfast Telegraph Award, um, pitching competition and stuff. We So we got money and funding from there as the Santander X Awards. Um, so we're able to build up um, enough to actually got our MVP in the road. We're actually just off the call of the developers yesterday, getting all that finalized and um, they say it should be built and everything and ready to go in, in three months time, that, that first Oh, that's amazing. So well, yeah. Huge, huge congrats. Thank you, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's basically where we are now. And I guess while they are working on that, um, we have plenty of stuff to be doing in, in the background and, and yeah, trying to, trying to get it in people's hands. Yeah, great. And do you plan to then do sort of further sort of rounds, maybe even like seed route <clears throat> funding? We're trying to get other sort of investors involved. What's the sort of, I guess, the investment roadmap? Yeah, that's definitely something that we really want to, yeah, start start getting into. We've definitely been um, scooping out um, our ideas and, and how that's all going to work out. Um, so, yeah, that that's something on the horizon that um, we're planning for. Awesome. Yeah, no, great. Um, I'm good friends with uh, Phil McKenna. He um, he's running Medal. I don't know whether you're familiar with that. He's I think I think out of Ormo Bass, um, I think, but he he's basically creating like a LinkedIn for doctors, um, which yeah. is pretty cool. So it's like managers training and kind of events and stuff. So that's pretty cool. And I was ch chatting with him, and I was just getting his sort of advice 
in terms of like NI funding and you know the the rate at which you know you can scale and stuff. And he was like, "Yeah, go to London." Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, like um, I think there's I think there's like f- f- I'm excited for you because you get to kind of experience like not just the creative side, but also as CEO, actually like wow, I I can actually you know learn the whole business side of things of like having a team and scaling and doing you know uh, investor calls having a pitch deck like how how are you enjoying that side because that's probably quite new to you right oh a hundred percent i yeah it was one of those things and it was as i was going throughout the co-founders program i was like i don't really know a, a lot about any of this and i don't know what any of this means and but you, you learn and, and, and you get there. There's still stuff I'm learning. There's plenty of stuff I still don't know that I'm learning about. Um, but yeah, I like I wouldn't have been able to stand up in front of near a thousand people and, and say a pitch. Um, but now I could get up in five minutes and do that tomorrow if you wanted me to. Um, no problem. So that's definitely something that shifted. Is definitely a lot of leadership skills I've built there as well. A lot of resilience. Um. Mm. As, as well um but yeah like i said there's so much more i, I, I still need to learn and yeah <laughs> great so i'll just touch on that aspect of confidence because that's obviously something that you've developed and you've got through and now look at where you're at now so to uh to people listening and specifically you know women that are listening what would you advise them to do if they have a good idea or they want to you know achieve something what are kind of the sort of What's your route of where you are now to kind of get founder level of like, I, I am the boss. I've managed to get here through confidence and things like what, what advice would you give to them, you know, to see similar sort of success that you've had so far? Yeah, I would say it's a good question. Um, and if you're a female founder, uh, you want to be a female founder, there's so many opportunities now for females. So, so many different grants that males can perhaps apply for and and that's beneficial and there's all these avenues opening up I mean I think the main piece of advice I'd give is the worst thing that can happen is that it doesn't work out and if it doesn't work out you've gained so much experience you've learned so much and that's completely fine it's nothing to be embarrassed about it's nothing to be ashamed about and because you've done something that many people are too scared to do um and yeah I mean if you if a business doesn't come out of it um a successful business doesn't come out of it you will have gained so many skills um that will take you that'll be with you for the rest of your journey in life and career wherever you go yeah for sure this this won't be the last slide deck that you're delivering here so yeah <laughs> no good, good for you Emma. uh you should be definitely proud of the progress so far and as i said you're just getting started so um you're currently full-time nine to five at puppet um or puppet's been bought over um but like what what does your day-to-day look like as a ux designer where you're not running the show you're just a key part of the experience team what what does that look like for you on a day-to-day yeah so like i said like i only graduated there in july so i stopped I actually started my job at Puppet like the week after I graduated. I was ready. I was like, I'm ready to get stuck in um, and, and, and get working. Um, but yeah, it's extremely beneficial because I'm learning so much. I mean, it may sound like, oh, she's a CU. And that sounds like such a big fancy word. But really, yes. I'm a student who's just graduated and I'm learning just like any other student who's just graduated is learning. Um, and yeah, so I work on a 
protocol comply um, and it's all about infrastructure compliance um, and I'm the lead UX designer on, on that product at the moment um, and, and yeah it's great and I can definitely see how this, my skill set has transferred over from doing insuring um, with that as well so it's nice because they kind of go hand in hand together um, but yeah I'm, I'm learning <laughs> I'm learning every day oh great and <clears throat> One of sort of the previous work you've done, maybe this was part of your internship, but you did like design system redesign, which is huge, um, especially if you've got big sort of enterprise level. Um, so what was kind of involved with that? Um, like what, how long did that take? What was your kind of experience of that? Go check out her case study. It's on Medium. But um, yeah, Emma, like how, how was your kind of your, um, yeah, the redesign of that? How did that go? Yeah, so that was like an internal project that I done during my basement year. And basically, um, I was growing as a company and so many products were coming out. And it meant that, yeah, there was so much needing added to the design system and the design system needed to cater to that. So there was a lot of work on working on the navigation for that, um, how to best make um, components and patterns findable. And then there was obviously things like um, accessibility, um, and making that more clear and um, making it clear how components and patterns should be used. Um, and yeah, that was a project that I worked on. Um, I'd say it was the majority, I was had my placement year there for a year and it, it was the majority of my placement year. And yeah, from doing that, I was able to do things like user testing and, and, and user research and being able to chat to people internally in the company. So it was even a nice way to be able to get some other people, know like other people that I worked with. Um, it was a lovely new project to, to work on while I was there. It's something that hasn't been um, implemented um, as yet, um, but it was it was really great fun, and I, I learned a lot and got good mentorship when 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 doing that work. Yeah, awesome. Now more things to add to your proud list. Um, but it, it's it's nice, isn't it, when you know you've had positive experiences through educational work and mentoring, you can look back and be like, yeah, that that was good. And I, th- I think it's good to be proud. Uh, I think I know a lot of, I don't know, perfectionists, you know, always want to just bin their work, bin their portfolio and start again. But um, it's it's good to look, look back and count, count your blessings for sure. Um, okay, Emma, final question. And I just want to say thanks so much for coming on. Um, but where where's next? Where do you see yourself in a year? What do you want to have achieved personally, academically, you know, um, yeah, financially or like, you know, um, I don't know, professionally, well, all, all the things ending in ALY, you know, um, yeah, spiritually, emotionally, economically, yeah, all that. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's such a good question. Well, the next year is very busy for me. Um, I'm getting married to my fiance Darren in May. Fantastic. First of May, so that's coming up. So it's going to be a very busy few months with that happening on the first of May. And then also, um, in about three months time as well we'll have the app build there too wow. um so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a hectic year um but yeah what we definitely want to do is to be able to build up a customer base with insurance and be able to get that in people's hands test it iterate test it iterate and wow. and, and keep that going um and when yeah. you're going full-time when you're going full-time on it <laughs> that's a good question uh, when we get investment <laughs> no. yeah yeah, no, I, I, yeah i yeah full time is something that we're, we're we're talking about and it's a big On the cards. It, it's a big leap to make um yeah. and it takes a lot of 
thinking and and consideration um so yeah it's something that I'll definitely I'll definitely be thinking about I love my job at Puppet I love my job at Piffos um and and Sharon's there and we just need to map everything out and and see when it's time to make that leap big year ahead awesome well Emma thanks so much for coming on um just for people (laughs) listening um Check her, check out Emma's work, uh, insurance.app. Uh, check her out on LinkedIn, Emma Corbett, or if you want to say hi, I'm sure she would love an email from you at hello at emmacorbett.design. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. All right. Nice.